If you happen to walk out of the Odawa Casino up in Petoskey, Michigan on Friday, the 5th of February in 2016, just a few minutes before 10 a.m., you might have seen a nervous-looking 30-something man in a coat and tie sitting in his car intently reading something on his phone. Inside the car, the man was preparing for a phone call with someone he was starstruck to have on his calendar and who had miraculously accepted an invitation to participate in a storytelling event he was hosting a few weeks later in Atlanta, Georgia. At the top of the hour, the man dialed the number and held his breath. The line clicked open and Aaron Mizan, vice president and chief sustainability officer at Interface and protege to the great Ray Anderson, began a series of events that led to this podcast miniseries with a single word. Hello? I'm Amanda Catherine Roman. And I'm Nathan Havey. And the guy in the car in this opening is me. I had known about Interface since I read one of Ray's books in 2010. But what I learned from Aaron in our first conversation that day, and in many conversations since, is the fourth thing you should know about stakeholder capitalism. We'll begin with Jim Hartsfeld, who, when our story begins in 1994, was a new hire at Interface, the world's leading manufacturer of carpet tiles. So there was one particular project that had a environmental consultant and he was not polite at all, the challenge in the company about what it was doing for the environment. The company wasn't doing anything for the environment and he wasn't gonna let his client buy products from us. Well, that message got all the way up through the sales chain, all the way to Ray Anderson. And as he said over and over and over, you always, always remember to listen to the customer. And here was a customer saying something that he'd never really heard before. We need to get some people together to come up with an answer for this customer and the others. So I created a meeting of 17 people representing all the businesses of Interface geographically. Well, I wasn't particularly enthusiastic about the subject myself. Didn't necessarily want to be on the task force, let alone leading it. So how am I going to get anybody to show up? Well, the hook was Ray. Ray was the legendary founder of the company figure. So I sent the invitation for Ray to come kick off that task force, and there was no response. And I just kept kind of prodding politely, and eventually he relented. And since, he's been rather open about not wanting to come give that speech because I had asked for an environmental vision and he didn't have one. By coincidence, while he was sweating giving that speech, a book shows up on his desk. And that book was The College of Commerce by Paul Hawken one of the seminal works that led business to begin thinking about these issues. So he read the book. All macro life support systems were in decline everywhere around the world. So that was the number one issue. Number two was that whether we like it or not, the consequences of business and industry were the main thing that was driving that degradation. But the big point within that was that there is a huge opportunity for business and industry to lead our way out of it. 
an opportunity for them to use their strengths of innovation and resources and all of that to invent the solutions that are better for not only the planet, but the economy. We were expecting a little recycling and let's do this new marketing campaign, just starting another corporate program, you know, ho-hum, no big deal. But what Ray laid out was potentially a complete transformation of the entire existing petrochemically based economy of the world. How about this for a mission? To convert Interface into a restorative enterprise worldwide. We become restorative by helping others become sustainable, putting back more than we ourselves take. At the very end, he basically said, if nobody leads, nobody will. The other voice at the end there was Ray Anderson himself, and you'll hear from him again. But let me now introduce Dan Hendricks, who at the time was the chief financial officer at Interface. That was probably the biggest skeptic in the whole thing. And I, I literally, we literally, some of the management teams that were running businesses, really thought this was the flavor of the month club. I, I, we just didn't think that it would stick. We really didn't. And there's a conference every year. It's called the Southeast Conference, where all the companies from the Southeast come in. And our biggest shareholders were in this meeting. So Ray walked up and he said, I'm not going to talk about my company and my financial results today. I'm going to talk about Mother Earth's in trouble. You could have heard a pin drop. He didn't mention interface results once. Our stock dropped. My biggest shareholder sold. I had a call from an analyst the next day thinking that Ray was terminally ill and he was trying to save the world before he died and so forth. And I just said, no, that's, he's fine. He's, in, he, he's just on this journey about sustainability. <laughs> Actually, when that happened, I knew Ray was not turning back, right? I didn't know how we were going to do what he wanted us to do, but I knew he wasn't backing down, that he had put a stake in the ground that day. In the beginning... Ray would travel and give speeches about the environmental mission to Interface employees. He received applause, but of course he would. He was the CEO. He could never tell if people were just being polite or if they had really taken it to heart. And then, after he gave a speech at the Bentley plant on a Tuesday morning, Ray received an email. So here's Jim Hartsfeld and Ray again. Sitting in my office and the office phone rings. And it's Ray Anderson. All he says is, look at your email. Call me back. Click. Okay. Pull up the email. And he's forwarded me the email from Glenn Thomas that includes the text of the original poem, Kamara's Child. Without a name, an unseen face, and knowing not your time or place, Tomorrow's Child Though yet unborn, I met you first last Tuesday morn. A wise friend introduced us to, and through his shining point of view, I saw a day that you would see, a day for you, but not for me. 
Knowing you has changed my thinking, for I never had an inkling that perhaps the things I do might someday somehow threaten you. Tomorrow's child, my daughter, son, I'm afraid I've just begun to think of you and of your good, though always having known I should. Begin I will to weigh the cost of what I squander, what is lost if ever I forget that you will someday come and live here too. Somebody got it. So in about six months, almost all of my time was focused on what is this outrageous idea? What are the right questions? Early in that process, I was sitting in his office, Ray kind of looking at me over his glasses, saying, there's one thing I know for sure, Jim, is you're not gonna figure it out with your ass in a chair in Atlanta. Go, figure it out. Connie Hensler was a plant manager at the time. I think the mission really depended on external acceptance of what we were doing. And at first, you know, there was just a lot of, wow, what are y'all doing? Have y'all gone crazy? What we were doing needed to be credible from an expert environmental opinion. We worked to address that by bringing in environmental experts and listening to their criticism and asking them for help and asking, you know, what do you think is important and what should we be doing? That became what he started calling the eco-dream team. It was as if there was an NFL and you were the first team and you got to choose everybody you wanted before anybody else chose the team. I mean, he pretty much got the cream of the crop. That was Paul Hawken, the author of The Ecology of Commerce and the longest-serving member on the Interface Dream Team. Once they got going, Interface produced a stunning series of breakthrough innovations. They figured out how to harvest old carpet off of office floors and use it as feedstock for new carpet. They pioneered design changes that eliminated a ton of waste. They even figured out how to pipe methane directly from a local landfill to power one of their factories and and on and on. Way too much for this podcast, but we do want to give you a sense for how many of their innovations unfolded. Janine Benyus is the first voice that you're about to hear. She's the author of an amazing book called Biomimicry. And the second voice is Connie Hensler. And you remember, she's the plant manager, only by now she's been promoted to the director of manufacturing. I got a call from Paul Hawken, and he mentioned this carpet company that he was working with. And he said, you need to come. And I, I was a biologist. I had been writing about biology, inspiring design, but I knew nothing about carpets. So I showed up at my first Eco Dream Team meeting. We're looking at reducing the amount of energy we use, reducing the amount of toxins we use, making elegant products and products that can be reincarnated into other products. Life has been doing that in life-friendly ways for 3.8 billion years. And, you know, it's time that we looked around at the genius that surrounds us. 
we started looking at, well, how are we installing it and what are the waste factors involved in installation? The glue, the buckets that the glue come in. I thought, nature must have a better glue than the glue we're using. So how does nature glue things together? Interface brought us in. There was a group sitting and talking about geckos and flies and reversible adhesion. And what they found in that group was that nature doesn't glue things together. In a few rare instances, but nature doesn't glue. The common design principle was that they used gravity to help push it down. It was gravity. And then at another table, they were looking at bird feathers. And if you look at a bird feather and you take it apart, and you have a magnifying glass, you'll realize that it has hooks and barbules all along each little mini strand and then along the major strand. And that's how a bird, when it ruffles its feathers and it zips it back together with its beak, it's because the structure hooks back together naturally. So that group said, you know, what if, what if our carpet tiles attached to each other? What if they hooked end-to-end -end with each other, and they started to think about how to do that. And the group that had been thinking about gravity stood up and said, wait a minute, if you hook all the carpet tiles to each other, gravity holds the whole thing down. And one thing led to another, and eventually what we ended up developing were the tactiles, which are the small polyethylene squares of plastic that are inserted underneath the carpet tile that actually don't stick it to the floor at all. And if you put that at the corner of four carpet tiles, you're essentially holding those carpet tiles together. So we kind of just revolutionized the carpet tile installation and eliminated that glue and all the associated problems that come with glue, not to mention the indoor air quality issues associated with glue. And the question, once you see it, is why hasn't everybody done it that way? As they progressed, Interface named its environmental program Mission Zero, with the goal to reach the summit of a metaphorical mount sustainability, achieving no negative environmental impact by the year 2020. Here's Jim Hartsfeld again. Companies started coming to us to say, how do you do this? How do we understand what we've learned and how do we start more proactively sharing that with the outside world to become restorative through the power of influence. That morning when he was announced as co-chair of the President's Council on Sustainable Development, I saw him in the hallway. Ray threw out his hands and said, Jim, what in the bleep are we doing here? The first thing he did is had people stand up and give each other a hug. Then he recited Tomorrow's Child. Imagine this room full of cabinet ministers heads of industry, I mean, Ken Lay from Enron was there, all the environmental organizations. We thought they had 45 lawsuits going on amongst each other. And here was this Southern drawl, speaking in poetry, completely confounded them, blew them away. For two years, they couldn't figure out why Ray was there. What was his angle? What was the deal he was trying to negotiate? What was the special incentive he was trying to get for his company? They couldn't get it. They didn't understand. He was just there for tomorrow's child, whatever it took. The voices you're gonna hear now are Mona Amadeo, who was a longtime consultant to Interface, Ray Anderson, Janine Benyus, 
and Dan Hendricks. Yeah, I can't remember the exact day, but I remember Joanne, uh, his assistant. She told me that they had uh, suspected that he had uh, cancer. Hi, folks. Yeah, it's Ray with a very brief taped message in my best chemo voice. I, it wasn't a surprise because I had seen Ray at, at the last meeting at the Innovation Summit. Uh, he was very thin at that time. He was very pale. I knew that it was bad. Maybe I should take a minute and uh, bring you up to date on me so you know firsthand. The best indicator of how I'm doing is a CT scan that I get every three months. The last two have been, frankly, heading in the wrong direction. When my blood counts are good, I feel good. And I have gained weight throughout the whole chemotherapy, which is ridiculous. That's the story. What's the bottom line for me? I wish I knew. Life is uh, replete with uncertainties. This, I do know, when the year 2020 gets here, it will not mark the end of time. 2020 will mark a way station on the journey to fulfilling our company's ultimate purpose. So I say to you, dream big, work hard, keep hustling, do good, not just no harm, and have fun along the way. I will be with you every step of the way in body and then in spirit. God bless you. I think I thought, okay, he'll beat this. He's got this, you know, uh, he's strong enough. But, of course, that's not what happened. We've come to pay our respects. We've come to grieve our loss. I thought about the idea of coming here to say goodbye. And there's where I paused. I know I'm not ready to say goodbye to Ray, and I don't really think I ever will be. Ray has entrusted us to fulfill his legacy, to take Interface to the top of Mount Sustainability. And with Ray's spirit to guide us, it's up to us to make the rest of the climb. Thank you, Ray, for all you did for us and for showing us the way. Ray, we love you. I was really concerned when Ray passed away about the mission and if we would stay on course or not. Ray's death hits Interface hard and progress stalls for a few years. But as the 2020 deadline approaches, Interface makes major investments and progress surges. In January of 2019, they call a global summit in their hometown of Atlanta. The crowd assembles in a big ballroom, the lights dim, and Aaron Muzan, who again worked closely with Ray and now holds the role of Chief Sustainability Officer, takes the stage. So I'm really proud to share with you how far we've come over the last 25 years. 
We've reduced our factory water use 88% since 1996. We've reduced our waste to landfill 91%. All of our factory locations today, now, use 100% renewable electricity. And here's the big number, our favorite number. We've reduced the greenhouse gas emissions of our business a whopping 96%. I think we can say that we delivered on our original mission to transform Interface. Aaron got a standing ovation that day, but that is not the end of the story. As she was giving that speech, Interface was already hard at work on its next mission. Here's Aaron with Jim Hartsfeld teeing up Paul Hawken. Interface has, over the last 25 years done a really good job of reducing the impact of the business, changing our supply chain, challenging ourselves to go further. We don't find ourselves in a world where other businesses have followed. If you look objectively at the data, greenhouse gases are still growing. Ocean pollution is still growing. The data is not turning. What have we got to do to change this? Humanity is more and more a race between education and catastrophe. What we are heading towards in terms of the climate is a point of no return, where the warming increased to such an extent that the Earth starts to heat itself without our help. We have 10 years in which to reduce our total greenhouse emissions by 50%. That would be 1% a month, every month for 10 years. It's not gonna happen. So what do we have to do? Everything we can do in terms of avoiding more emissions. But in addition to that, increase and accelerate the rate at which carbon is cycled back to the earth. It's always cycling back, 100 gigatons per year is cycling back into the land. It's not carbon, it's not even CO2, it's life because it feeds forests, because it feeds organisms, because it goes into the soil where it creates life. We actually get in alignment with that life and accelerate the rate at which life itself can bring back the carbon which we have emitted over the past 200 years. The next mission was to transform Interface once more, this time into a massive industrial carbon sequestration machine. They called it Climate Take Back. Here's Janine Benyus. So as part of Climate Take Back, the idea is that we're going to increase our impact because the impact could be positive. And so we started this program called Factory as a Forest. The factory in its site should perform like the forest that would be there if we weren't there. So we go and we find a reference habitat We figure out what are the benefits coming per acre. How much water is being purified? That's how much water needs to be purified at the plant. How much air is being cleaned? How much cooling? How much soil is being built? How much habitat is being supported? How many organisms are being supported? You have a metric that says, we're going to get closer and closer to the way this forest functions. The goal is to be functionally indistinguishable from the forest next door. That's the journey that they're on now. 
This new thinking is creating another generation of breakthrough innovations, including a carbon-negative carpet tile that actually sequesters more carbon than if they had not made it at all. The last word on this story goes to Mona Amadeo, the longtime consultant to Interface, who now works to get many more companies to follow their lead. Where Interface didn't have a map, we do now. If it has been done, it can be done. And so now the challenge for leaders is not, can we do it? The question is, are you willing to do it? If we are going to get a handle on climate change, companies all over the world, and lots of them, need to study this example and emulate it. But all too often, sustainability is sidelined or housed in the marketing department and executive teams remain blind to the massive opportunities for efficiency gains and innovation breakthroughs that come from including the environment as a key stakeholder in your company. The title of the film that tells a more complete and riveting version of this story is Beyond Zero. It's coming out soon, and you can learn how to see it and maybe use it to start an important conversation in your company by visiting beyondzerofilm.com. Ten Things You Should Know About Stakeholder Capitalism is a project of the Institute for Corporate Transformation. This episode was edited by Nathan Church and produced by Haiti Pro Cinema and featured music from Young Oceans, Live Footage, Jennerdine, Analog Heart, Chris Coleman, and David A. Molina. Ten Things You Should Know About Stakeholder Capitalism is written and directed by Nathan Haiti. The idea that a company should shift its focus from minimizing environmental harm to also maximizing environmental benefit is a game changer for the accounting of natural capital that we talked about in the first episode. But what would it look like if a company could do that for human and social capital too? In our next episode, you'll meet a company every bit as revolutionary as Interface and even less known. The number one source of happiness in the world is a good job doing meaningful work with people you enjoy. So what do we deny to 88% of the people in this country? Happiness. Why would you want your child to graduate from college and get a job? Why? They're going to be miserable. Be careful with episode five, because once you hear this story, your ability to work in a normal workplace will be challenged. If you're game to be challenged, then get episode five when it drops by subscribing to 10 Things You Should Know About Stakeholder Capitalism wherever you get your podcasts, or get it in your inbox by joining the mailing list at stakeholdercapitalism.biz. Stakeholder Capitalism.